0: What's up, everybody? Sorry we lost you on the last video. I live in the BC mountains on Vancouver Island, way out in the bush, and I don't always get the best internet, so thanks for dealing with it and clicking on this video. We're going to continue right where we left off in the last video, talking about Freud and subconscious, or sorry, conscious and unconscious, what are we talking about, instinctual behavior behavior.
1: Pretty good, man. Yeah. So the point I was kind of about to make is this idea of he tried to talk about what's going on. Remember, so he's trying to explain what's going on in our mind before um, psychology was even really a thing. And he's talking about how there's these competing forces. And one is this instinctual past that we have this animalistic, what he called it, this instinctual drive for physical pleasure you know present at birth motivating in his idea of virtually all human behavior things like sexuality and aggression this what you called earlier instinct
0: he called it hey, the
1: id yeah
0: the id can is is the slide available for id i remember there was a slide i can't see any slide right now all i can see is our 2 cameras on the top right of my screen i actually can't see the um your page your your Oh really uh, no. Okay. Maybe. That's there we right. go. Well, now I can see you just fine. Your face is huge on my computer screen. Your face is like life size. I feel like I'm right beside you. It Thanks, full screen. Thanks, it man. Fu- it, it full screened And your face is as big as mine right now. If not. Yeah. As, as
1: if I. As if I need to be reminded of my huge head. You got a huge Lebanese Scottish head. Situation.
0: That's a, that's a Scottish thing, man. Okay, Scottish so got big heads. Here? So, if I just share. You figuring it out? Oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Is that better? Um, it's still loading. Yes. Freud's psychosexual theory. Personality has structured with three parts that develop over time. The id is an instinctual drive for physical pleasure present at birth and forming the motivating force behind virtually all human behavior. The ego
1: is... Instinctual- stop for a sec. So that, that, okay. that sentence right there made a lot of people upset. Right? This idea that it's like... Pleasure. Well, just that you're, you're not as in control of yourself as you think you're actually heavily influenced by your instinct. Okay, so right. let's skip ego for a second. Let's jump to three, superego.
0: The superego is the moral judge of our personality that contains the norms and values of our family and of society.
1: Okay, so he says that there's basically this instinctual part of us. And then there's this kind of internalized society. So sometimes we use the word conscience, not conscious, but conscience. You know how you say like, oh, I stole something and it was like my conscience was like bugging me all day. What That's why do- my
0: pen name is conscience, man.
1: Yeah. So like <laughs> but con- yeah, conscious and conscience is different words, right? Totally. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So conscience, what Freud said is what that is, is that ever since you're a kid, your parents and then your teachers and your society and your media and everything's telling you what you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to be. And it's almost like the psychology of the whole society you're in. He called that the superego. It's like the ego. So remember ego is a misleading word sort of, because right. you think of someone that ego is like meaning that they're arrogant. Remember ego is kind of like what the um, uh. kind of current version of that word would be self, that there's the self. Right, there's e- psychology. Used to originally was called ego psychology. It was the idea of like so super it,
0: super yeah. ego. Back to super ego here. Yeah, is kind of like the collective ego.
1: It's the super ego. Yeah, it's like the it's you but it's not that. It's not like some magical thing like that. It's what you have kind of internalized from all those voices. So it's like right. you you're told all these things throughout your life. Eventually, that almost becomes all of a sudden you go and do something bad and it's like you you almost you're almost in your head getting yourself in trouble you know it's so the way
0: the collective ego has manipulated you okay so here's the thing right so he's
1: saying those are the two forces at play there's your instinctualness that wants you to like you know just satisfy any sexual desire blah 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 but then you also live in a super ego society that has strict rules about certain things and where there's heavy sh- maybe shame and certain things associated with other things and so what he said is your ego is what's trying to balance that it's the thing do you want to read part two now
0: the ego is the thinking part of our personality its job is to keep the needs of the id satisfied
1: yeah and i should have actually add it to that sentence and put Its job is to keep the needs of the id satisfied in a kind of socially allowable way, right? So what that means is, say you're, let's switch it from sexuality to aggression. Let's say you're a really aggressive person. And every time something happens, you want to just like punch someone. But you live in a society where if you do that, you'll it won't be very long until either you get punched back by someone stronger or you hurt someone and you go to jail. So what could you maybe do? Maybe join a martial arts club right, or a sport, or a boxing club, or exercise, or do things that satisfy that impulse, that aggressiveness impulse, in a way that works within your society. So Freud said the most psychologically healthy people are the people that are kind of able to, their ego is strong enough, it can balance, it can meet the needs of our instincts without getting dominated by it, and it can properly Act in relation to societal pressures And not be dominated by it too
0: Right It's kind of a nuts idea, man It's nuts, it's complex, man yep. It's very complex Yep
1: That's that's kind of core Like, So you'll hear often people talk about The in the ego and the superego And if you kind of understand it as It is basically a word that means instinct Like almost yep. literally means that It's a Latin term And then superego basically means conscience the thinking
0: the thinking part of our brain our conscience yep.
1: the moral judge of our personality that contains the norms which means what people think is normal and the values of our family and our society and then the ego is what's trying to balance those two things so on this next slide i have like a much um sorry a sec here yeah here on this next slide i have like a way simple kind of simplified version here where it's like almost the homer simpson thing of having like the angel and the devil on the shoulder right it's like eat the whole cake it's like don't eat the cake it's like you know steal the thing don't steal the thing it's like it's kind of like this instinctual versus you know you're going to get in trouble if you do that and he says that that's like that can torment people if that relationship gets messed up right? That that's a sign of psychological, uh, unhealth.
0: Disability. Yeah. Especially, especially cluster ailments. B personality disorders.
1: Well, it, B, right. He's just, he's trying to tell a story to people before there's a language of psychology.
0: Right. Exactly. What
1: he's really saying is there's psychodynamics, right? So his idea was that there's, there's this psychodynamic ideas that are like the psychoanalytic ideas that psychoanalytics is what, what you're doing when you're trying to, do therapy with someone and analyze their psyche, but the psychodynamic idea of like, there's a lot going on between your ears and some of it you're aware of. And some of it you're not, and some things are in struggle. The person you're maybe trying to be consciously is maybe at odds with some of your instinctualness, right? It's all about,
0: it's all about finding a balance between those. So it's all about finding a balance between the id and the superego.
1: Yeah. And so in, in Freudian psychology, that's called the reality principle, finding that, If you literally view it as like a teeter totter,
0: between between the id
1: and the super ego. Yeah, so the reality principle would be like that example. That's like a term, and then in in Freudian psychology or psychology that's kind of in the branch of Freud and his fault and his uh, students and disciples and all that. Not disciples, but uh,
0: disciples is a good word for it, though. Well,
1: non-religious disciples, right? Like
0: non-religious. Well,
1: Freud definitely had people that you could. Like it's like we'd have to talk about just what we mean by disciple, right? I don't mean like
0: Jesus. He had people that worshipped his intellect heavily.
1: Well, not, but no, I want to break that. I don't mean that in a culty way. I mean like, say for example, a guy like Carl Jung, who's another one that's like maybe a top five psychologist all time. And it's like he was a student of right? and We talked in that other one about how like they, they their relationship fell apart and some of that. But it's like. It wasn't because they like the, the central role Freud played in Carl Jung's development. And like what we're going to see here is that I tried to set this up chronologically. What comes after Freud is basically all a uh Basically, the, uh, an interesting way of saying it is no one escapes Freud. It's like if you're going to go into psychology, Freud is this kind of deep murky the power underbelly. Yeah. Well, he, he he made people realize you're more animalistic than you think you are. Right. You're more emotional than you think you are. You're an emotional decision maker. You're defensive. You know. You're a lot of your your torment is this struggle between your instincts and your society.
0: Right. And, and that's it's I I, guess, the id and the super ego. Yeah. I get it, man. Thanks, teacher. Thanks, well, professor. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and like, look at this. Okay, so let's just get a little more into this, right? And he says, like, okay, so we're just going a little bit more on this um, notion of the iceberg or metaphor or whatever. Uh, okay, illustration. okay. Yeah.
0: Tip of the iceberg. Tip of the iceberg. Want me to read this? Yeah, sure. So this tip of the iceberg meaning like... Conscious we consider ideas, your... thoughts, and feelings which we are aware Right. So if I'm like asking you, like,
1: how are you doing? And you're like, well, I've had a kind of shitty day. I'm like feeling kind of depressed or whatever. Or what are you thinking about right now? I'm thinking about like what I just went to the store. It's like the stuff you can kind of talk about. It's like you're, right. it's like your, you could also almost call that like your working memory. It's like your, your
0: conscience. Yep. yep. Okay. Your so yeah.
1: do you want to move on to pre conscious?
0: Pre conscious material that can easily be recalled.
1: right, so this is if I was like, okay, so you're not thinking about this right now, but if I asked you what you had for supper, you could tell me if I asked you, like, you know, name five of your buddies from school, or if I asked you, like, have you ever had a motorcycle, whatever, it's like, you could answer those questions, even though that's not in anything that's almost in your kind of accessible, easily accessible. um, Memory. Material. Yeah. Any material that's easily accessible in your memory. In your consciousness. Right. So then so then he said, like the ego is kind of on that bridge between conscious and unconscious. And the and the ego and then the superego kind of bridges that too. It's like, and I think that's a really interesting thing to think about because it's kind of making this point that what we what we are told from society is right and wrong and all this kind of stuff affects us at a level that we realize and much more at a level that we don't realize
0: it. So it affects, so superego affects our instincts,
1: but yeah, you'll notice there it cuts you. If you, if you're not seeing this, it's like there's kind of a top layer and a bottom layer, but then superego kind of cuts across the side.
0: All and you can them. see
1: it leaks up into consciousness, but it also goes deep down into right. Well below, like it defines there, this image. I like it defines the unconscious as well below the surface of awareness. Right, It's deep in the, well, in the waters of your... It, it includes emotional energies from past experiences. It includes repressed memories. Maybe we'll get in a
0: second to what's down there. Right.
1: Right. It includes your instincts. Your, your id lives down there. So
0: superego really is a collective because it ties in conscious, preconscious, and unconscious and id principles it covers them all so what's our collective? it affects them, yeah, so, affects them all yeah affects them all yeah affects them all right so a strong ego
1: is what holds that whole iceberg together right right because you don't want to be dominated by the superego, because then you're basically just a zombie of um right? you're basically like, it's just like mass conformity it's like you're like a so, lemming You're 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 so under the pressure. Yeah, you're exactly. That's a good way of saying it. You're so under the pressure of society. You don't want to be just completely instinctual, but at the same time, you there's there's so his thing was it's a balancing act. There's definitely ways to do it wrong in both directions. Yeah. So let's get into some specific defense mechanisms because I think that makes it a little more tangible. Okay. So he said. This plays out in a number of ways because things happen to us in our lives that sometimes are negative. And in the moment, it might be too much for us to handle. And so there's defense mechanisms, mechanistic ways that our mind basic, that our ego basically defends itself. You could call these ego defense mechanisms. Okay, so now an important point here is these are unconscious. So if you knew you were doing it,
0: Yeah, by definition, you don't know what that you're doing. So that could be probably a lot of that as body language, right?
1: So the the ones we're going to talk about specifically are denial, repression, projection, regression, displacement, and rationalization. So these are kind of like the six core defense mechanisms that, and I'll just say this at the start, as we start going through these, and if you're listening or, or for you, Wilk, it's like you might see yourself in some of these and like, I've had, I can remember this one student that might watch this one day named Carlos once asked me, it's like, he's like, what if I see myself in all these? It's like, well, then you're just profoundly human. You know, it's like, these are so core to human experience that if you're kind of paying attention and being honest, you will see yourself in a lot of these. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he says, well, first of all, the most easy to understand one is denial.
0: Oh my God. Denial is a big part of my life. Now, remember, this is denial that's
1: not intentional. It's almost so deep yeah. that you're literally behaving as if it doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Denial. Calvin and Hobbes, nice. It's not denial. I'm just very selective about the reality I accept. <laughs> Love, Calvin.
1: Yeah, me too, man. Okay. Do you have any, if you have, if you want to just jump in at any point, do go for it. So yeah, repression, right? So this is the most um, common way that people have probably heard this term is in like a law show or something where someone's in court because they've had some repressed memory about, they had some memory that, you know, they were in, they got hypnotized and they had, they remembered something about their past, usually some negative event in their childhood. And it was like a repressed memory. So the, the Freudian idea here is that sometimes things happen that are so threatening to our psychology at the moment that we actually bury it. And you know what? Energetically, not literally, energetically. And what I mean by that is like the, and, and the, so so sorry to cut you off, man. No, I want you to make your point, but I, sh- I want to be clear that what I'm saying here is it's not like we, we take a file, and we store it. It's like there there was a disturbance there. Something right. happened, and then it usually manifests in adulthood as anxiety, as an unspecified anxiety. That.
0: I relate to that because when I got in that car accident when I was sixteen, and I had that crazy situation happen, they called it post traumatic amnesia, where I forgot the circumstance of the car accident, but eventually remembered it. It was about ten years, twelve years that I couldn't remember the car accident. I couldn't remember what happened right before it happened. And then all of a sudden, I was able to remember it. So did I push the memory of something unpleasant through the unconscious there?
1: I don't know because it wasn't
0: ready to be in my conscious.
1: Yours maybe, and yours is difficult to analyze because of the role of brain injury. Like how much, what was injury and what was repression? I th- right. especially since your injury affected memory. This is definitely memory related, though. So. If if it was a negative, yeah, I'm sure you repressed aspects of it for sure. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So Freud's idea would be that we all do this stuff, right? And that the only way that, and he would say that the role of psychoanalytic therapy would be to bring some of this drama that's in our unconscious into the light of consciousness. That's like actually like a Carl Jung comment that like the light of consciousness. And what he means by that is like me and you actually having this conversation and like bringing some of that stuff that might be in the unconscious from your past that you repressed and actually talking about it for a second actually allows you to kind of let it go a little bit. Yeah, and that that light of consciousness actually lets you let go of the drama a little bit. Yeah, right. And that was like the whole point of therapy, psychotherapy. Right. and freud you can very much say is the founder of psychotherapy right so pushing so that's that's kind of this idea of repression um the next one projection so this is an interesting one right so i always i keep this image of like a projector it's like you're cheating on your girlfriend and and you you're convincing yourself you're not but then she goes out to hang out with her friends and you you're accusing her of cheating on you it's like you, you, you're denying a lie to yourself so much that you're starting to see it almost in other people, even though it's not there. You're projecting it onto yeah. people. You're seeing your reverse own behavior. Psychology,
0: reverse psychology on yourself.
1: Once you're projecting it out? You're seeing your own behavior, and beliefs, and others, whether they're there or not.
0: Right, but you're seeing it and feeling it.
1: Yeah, and people will say things like we project our insecurity onto things. We project right. our fears onto situations. We project our biases onto how we understand things. That there's this like, basically he's getting at this point of like our perception of what we're, we don't have, like, we're not walking around like neutrally observing things. We have a heavily, um, like our, our, Well, we have a deeply, heavily evolved mind that was definitely unconscious before it was conscious. And right. that was, pro- and like we talked last time, was dreaming before it was thinking. So it's like, I mean, was dreaming before it was talking. So it's like, we've been in this unconscious world, evolutionarily, biologically, way longer than we've been in this conscious world, which is a crazy thought. Carl Jung actually was very interested in this idea of when we became conscious. And there's a book that's called The Origins of Consciousness. I can't forget. I can't remember who wrote it. If if I remembered the name, it would like if I. Why don't you Google
0: it, it, bro? Yeah, man. Let's Google. Let's find out who wrote. What is it called again? The origins of consciousness. Yeah, Newman. The They've origins. Built in for of me. It's consciousness. like
1: uh, the guy's name is. There's one that sounds like it. There's two things. There's one called the origins of consciousness by a guy named. Yeah, it's if if some listeners are familiar with this, it's the idea of the bicameral mind. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's yeah, but that's not what I was looking for. I was actually looking for so there's two kind of similar books that are both interesting. Neumann, I saw that name. Just one sec, one more. It's like yeah, here origins How did you of get consciousness. These books, the origins of the origins and history of consciousness. The other one is just The Origins of Consciousness. So the one I mean is The Origins and History of Consciousness. Uh, a 1949 book by psychologist and philosopher Eric Neumann, in which the author attempts to outline the archetypal stages of the, the development of consciousness. First published in English in 1954. There you go, duck, duck, Go or Google or whatever. Okay. So...
0: Uh... Hold on, 1950s. Is that still kind of like pre-psychology terminology? Was that book I think that in- book's a
1: classic. Like so a lot of this stuff if maybe we're going to end towards kind of like current psychology and I think um a lot of this stuff got built on and like if you're asking like is that still like an accepted book? It's like I think there's a lot of debate on the origins of consciousness. I think it's a completely unfinished story. I think it's somewhat speculative. Anything that's going to be about like, was there a time when we were dreaming before we were talking? Like, by its by the nature of that type of res- of uh, line of thought, it's speculative, right? It's right. not like we're going to find video or, or archaeological evidence. We're, we're assuming that based on, on you know, kind of what's called anthropomorph or anthropomorphic, or just kind of like how we assume the brain developed. Right. My brother is saying, "There's a word for that. It's like uh, phonology or something like that." But yeah, like the actual physical development of the brain, right? Like how huh. th- I can give an example of that, like how we have this prefrontal cortex that's like oh, really you're advanced. you
0: skipping a little bit. I think we're losing connection. You're totally frozen.
1: See, right now he's projecting his back. He I guess that's the part two. Okay, so. That's okay. So that's about another half hour or so. All right, buddy. So, um, can we save this? Can you still hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, man. So let's not even stop. Let's just keep going.
0: Okay, cool. We're still live.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: So just a bit um, of a glitch.
1: I don't even think it was. It wasn't on on this screen. I don't think so.
0: It's let's just hope, my internet. Man. Video. It's my friggin' BC Bush internet.
1: Yeah, man. You got.
0: I don't know. It's be- be- beautiful setting, Well, dude, we're like, we're like uh, setting, you know, 40 kilometers, 35 kilometers from even a road that goes to existence. We're 60 kilometers from any other town, right? We're very far yeah. in the bush. It's we crazy bush. isolated,
1: man. I got to come visit sometime.
0: That's crazy yeah, isolated. Should. Okay, crazy. so let's...
1: Let's do a few more of these because it'd be nice if before it glitches out because our internet's kind of struggling. It'd be cool to get through these defense mechanisms. Okay, regression.
0: Behaving in a way that is inappropriate for one's age.
1: This is you getting cut off in traffic and the emotion of the situation making you feel like you're justified in having like a full temper tantrum, basically. Right? It's like... Or like a kid. So say, for example... You'll notice that as your kids get more tired, they kind of regress to ways they would act when they were acting bad when they were younger. It's like this tendency we have that when we're emotional, it's almost like the emotionalness of the moment lets us act in ways that we know are below us.
0: Uncontrolled emotional outbursts. We regressed. We, regression
1: literally means going backwards, right? It's like our our behavior isn't reversed. in line with like, where we should be at because we're being emotional. We're acting like emotional children.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Does that make sense, kind of?
0: Yeah, totally makes sense. And you got a yeah, nice, so remember- uh, nice picture of a screaming baby there for people who are yeah. listening and you can't see that.
1: It's a, it's a classic, like temper tantrum.
0: Yeah. Yeah, classic. So, who knows, man? Maybe he's like missing a foot or something, and he's freaking out.
1: Yeah, that would make that. But then that wouldn't be. Like that would be oh, exactly. a very reasonable reaction. Yes, yeah, very reasonable.
0: Yeah, sorry, I skipped that. Okay. Yeah, we're talking about regression. Uh-huh. Uh, defense. Oh, we missed We missed one. Sorry, just go back two slides. Eric, Ericsson, I'm looking forward to learning about him. Yeah, so sorry, man.
1: I said, we're this back. Is, we're this back. is a little bit complicated to go backwards for some reason. I can't just click on the one side. Okay, so, anyways, there we go. Um, Displacement yes displacement now think about this this is the idea i always explain it like you're at work your boss is like really mean to you but you can't yell back at your boss your boss screams at you that you're doing a shitty job or whatever about something that's completely unjustified and it's like really unfair and you want to say something back but if you say something back then you'll get fired and so you can't it's not a safe target so you go home and then maybe your wife or your kid says something and you kind of like lash out at them a bit and you're like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, they didn't do anything. Right. You're, that That's not the correct target for your negative emotion. Right. You've right. placed your emotion in the wrong place. You displaced your emotion. Okay. Right. So he says wrong we do person, this, wrong we do time. This all the time. We do this all the time. We're in a bad mood from work. So all of a sudden we're like short with the person that's getting order at Tim Hortons or we're like mean to somebody or we like are short with our kid or whatever. Right. It's like why I had like, you know, you're watching you're reading negative stuff on Twitter and then you could ask you a question and you're like annoyed with the question more than you normally. Right. Would. It's like you've taken right. that negative energy and you've let it come here. And the problem is, is we don't notice we did that. And then we, that we don't notice how much we're poisoning other things, right? How much we're displacing emotion. We're incorrectly placing ne- largely negative emotion all over the place
0: on innocent on the innocent yeah often on, on soft to, to targets. The, uninvolved, the uninvolved yeah
1: right to a softer target
0: right or to herself
1: sometimes right because she also like, internalize that
0: yeah for sure for sure yeah directing and, and emotion toward now a lot of the person other than the one who provoked it
1: sorry man i talked over you can you just say that again
0: no, I was just reading displacement directing emotion towards an object or person other than the one that the one that prov- that provoked it.
1: Yeah, the one yeah, that's a typo man, I got to
0: change. Yeah, it was a typo, that. it should be that.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, whom.
0: whom That's a good place to put a whom, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't throw in a lot of whoms. But it's yeah, I think whoops, that it's a, it's <laughs> The the main point there is this idea of like it's it's a incorrect response right this is an right. emotional and and we've all done this where and then we feel bad later because later no, not, I do it
0: every day and then you feel guilty as hell for a couple hours now
1: let's let's dissect that why do you feel guilty later you feel guilty later because when you're not as emotional. You're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or right. think about, yeah, exactly. Emotional decision making in general is problematic because it makes us. That's think what that... I'm really
0: working on, man. It's like yelling. Yelling does nothing good. Yeah. I constantly so... am telling myself to not yell at my son. Just stop yelling. I think about that every day.
1: Yeah, like one of the first principles. And that's today. a lot.
0: That's a lot of displacement. You know, for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah.
1: Well, and there's also something to be said about like shutting up when you're mad, because I think that's like one of the most, that's one of the first principles of anger management is like, stop talking because you're, you're just digging the hole, man. You're digging the hole. Like whether you're in an argument with your wife or whether you're like, you know, in conflict at work or something, it's like there, there's time to bite your tongue, man. Um, Or, or, or there's time to just chill out and you're not helping the situation right and like
0: yeah where it's better to just shut up and do nothing
1: yeah and i think there's something rationalization
0: physical. yeah there's a physical aspect to that too
1: so yeah rationalization this is like you want to just read that man
0: he kind of gapped out a bit, but uh, let's just keep on rolling with it. Yeah, I think you Want did, to read do, this but,
1: one. Yeah, yeah, just read this one. Rationalization.
0: Still working. Rationalization. Creating an explanation to justify an action or deal with a disappointment. Rationalization.
1: So I now, failed
0: because the hates me.
1: Yeah. Rather than thinking that it was mostly... Just, it's like I've been teaching for like 15 years. It's like I've never made a test directly designed to fail a specific student. Like that's insane. How
0: often, how often does someone fail your course? Does that ever happen? Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. Really? Is it mostly due to people just like tardiness or not showing up? Yeah. So like that's I usually in know. an average
1: year, I'll have about 120 students and I'd say about a hundred of them will get through. Really? That that's, much? That's pretty good.
0: Wow, maybe ninety. That's yeah,
1: crazy. and and the reason why students don't get through are for a whole variety of reasons, right? Usually, how like, do you
0: think yeah. that one would rationalize that failure? Rationalization. Oh, the
1: like that classic example, like the teacher doesn't like me, right? Now I don't right. think I would hope exactly. a college. Level, the more like this is also a psychology idea called locus of control. The more you think like that, that's actually a, a signal of mental. Health that that's that's a that's negatively correlated with good mental health it's like the more you think that your the world's out to get you in unrationalized reasons like it, it like and teachers aren't out to get specific students unless it's maybe right. a really crazy situation right right it's probably cuz the student didn't study right or it's like it's it, the idea here that he's saying is like it's this idea of the, the thought that maybe it was my fault is a, is a threat. So it's easier for me to think that it's somebody else's, that it's, it's, a, it's a way to just use my thinking, my rationalizing, my ability to just think of possible explanations and rationales, to kind of make up a story that is less threatening and usually less focused on my own effort and, and input. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay, so, so let's just keep want to keep on. We'll do Eric Erikson quick, and, and then yeah, Erik Erikson. Yeah, because Eric Erickson makes sense. How to far are with we Freud. in? How far are we in on this one? Uh, we're still in the first of five kind of sub chapters. Um, we're still in psycho psychoanalysts. Okay, so okay. Erikson very interestingly. So, okay, so this guy was born in 1902, died in 1994. A German-born American psychoanalyst. Okay, so you still with me, Ben? Yep. Okay, cool. So it's interesting to know that he was actually friends with Freud's daughter. Okay, so he's an acquaintance with Anna Freud. Anna Freud, uh, a giant in psychology in her own right, especially in child psychology. Okay. Uh, Erickson underwent psych- – so Erickson, interestingly, he went and actually got therapy and found it so useful that he dedicated himself to it. So it's interesting that now Erickson is a name that like I probably say in my classes, especially in developmental psych, almost second to Freud, like as, as the most, right. Like he's someone we talk about like every week you've heard about things like people having trust issues or an identity crisis. Like those are Erickson terms, whether or not you knew that or not, it doesn't matter. It's so, and I don't mean to say that as if you don't know, I just mean like whether or not people that have studied psychology specifically most people have heard of an identity crisis or have heard someone say this guy I'm dating has trust
0: issues. Right. Those
1: are like very specific Eric Erickson psychology concepts.
0: So he came up with a lot of terms to explain things and explain concepts. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And he was huge around like that psychological term of identity.
0: Right.
1: Right. Right. So he was, so what was interesting is that he, so he found it so, so helpful for him Getting psychoanalyzed himself, that he started, um, he became an analyst. He went and studied at the psychoanalytic institute in Vienna, so like in in basically the main place, like the most prestigious place of learning. But he's from
0: Austria too, or he went to Austria.
1: Yeah, he was German born. German, yeah, but yeah, he went to Vienna.
0: German born American. Yeah. So he went from America to Vienna yeah as a man so now like like.
1: yeah and there's all kinds of politics around all this stuff right like like the reason why these guys came to the states and all this kind of stuff so there's a real kind of american and russian branch of some of this psychology like people know of like and we'll get to some of the russian stuff in a bit like you've heard of it but it's not necessarily said like that like people don't necessarily associate pavlov's dog experiments as like important russian psychology that kind of paralleled guys like what's the pavlov's
0: dog's experiment what's that about
1: okay so let's just hang on because i like literally have slides about that coming up okay okay so sorry not to cut you off but just that's like literally coming later because that's when oh. we get into the what are called the behavioralists or the learning theorists okay. okay but we're still in this kind of first freudian psychoanalyst so now right i think one thing that's interesting to think about erickson he didn't have a bachelor degree he didn't even do, but he became so. What all I mean by that is he didn't go to university traditionally, but he became so respected within the psychoanalytic uh, circle, kind of, of intellect. So the only,
0: so 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 the only real post post secondary school that he did was this Vienna psychoanalytic institute. Yeah. He didn't really have any precursors to that. Yeah, or like undergrads or anything. Right, so even though so he how lacked, did he get in? He just applied as like a mature so, applicant.
1: Yeah, bachelor degree and an undergrad degree means the same thing basically. So even right. though he lacked an undergrad degree, he still became a professor at both Harvard and Yale. Right, That's so crazy. think of how good of a speaker he was, how interesting he was, all that kind of stuff. It's like even though he didn't have that formal education, he taught at like these two universities. That if if you just you know, stop someone on the street and said, name like the five best universities you've ever heard of. They would probably lots of people would say Harvard and some people would probably Yale. say, yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. Maybe
0: Columbia. Okay. So now
1: this is kind of interesting. So Erickson, his idea here is psychosocial. So what he basically is saying there is you, if you look at that, two words that psychology is directly linked with our social world and that, where he's taking the Freudian idea of instinct and saying that that's basically slamming into culture. And he's calling culture basically... Um, super well, ego, Sort of, but the thing that would... So superego would be how you internalize the voice of culture, sort of, if that yeah. makes sense. Okay. Right? But culture's a, in in this sense, is a real thing. It's like your world. It's like this idea right. of like... When you were born as Brendan Wilkie, you were a certain genetic, physical, animal, mammal. Like, you were a physical thing with certain drives and certain whatever. But you were also born into, like, Elmira in the mid-80s as a millennial, yeah. as... Shut up. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I just got that in there. But you are born into a specific situation that pressed and stressed you in specific ways.
0: some, Some
1: of that is geographic. Some of that is like amount of money that your family had. Some of that is like the time period that you're in this time period and not 500 years ago or something. So there's all these different. So he's basically saying that to understand how we develop and how we change as we move through life, we need to understand that there's this kind of complicated interaction going on between our instincts and the demands of our culture. all right. He also made this strong argument that whereas Freud kind of had this idea that we do a lot of our development early in life, and a lot of Freud's model kind of goes to 18. And
0: he, Are Freud, we going to talk about the psychosocial stages? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's
1: like literally the next slide.
0: Development He's, occurs across the entire lifespan in psychosocial stages.
1: Right. So he was very interested in this idea of like how – Non-stop.
0: He, non-stop development.
1: Well, that 35 is very different than being 55, which is very different than being 75, which is very different than being 90, right? Yeah. You're dealing with different things. There's different psychology. Your social world's different. Your relationship to spirituality. We know people get more philosophical and reflective when they get older. We know that things like the quality of their relation, like how much they feel like they contributed to the world matters more philosophically as we get older and becomes more predictive of mental health. Than when you're younger so there's all these kind of He was very interested in how the actual experience of things like identity and self-esteem and and friendship and all these things change as we age he was very interested in age mm-hmm. developmental psychology is basically psychology plus being interested in age right like how how okay. is identity different when
0: so How does it change with age, with here's time? Here's a
1: way of saying it, bro. It's like evolution, Our sp- human beings evolve over time. And they evolved all the way up into your life until you were born, kind of. And then throughout your single organism lifespan, you develop, right? So evolution is kind of like a series of individual developments for right. a long period of time. So within one lifespan, we develop. But our species evolves.
0: Okay, I don't know if that sounded if it, it was confusing, but I was with you. Yeah, man,
1: it's a confusing idea, but the idea is that evolution and, and develop, evolutionary psychology and developmental psychology are kind of two sides of the same coin. It's like um, yeah, our development is how we go from a baby to an adult, and then we're not the only ones that did that. A lot of people did that before us. A lot of people did that are going to do that after we'll us. After. We influence each other. We call that kind of an evolutionary evolution.
0: Influence. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Yeah. 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 So, so sorry. One so, must Eric, move through and successfully resolve eight crisis or dilemmas.
1: Yeah. So he would say, like for example, when why we're eight? Teenage, so why why is there eight?
0: So it's an eight point model. So see here. Oh shit! I can't hear you again, man. Can okay, just wait? Oh, now I can hear you.
1: Yeah. So just, I think you just got to give it like two seconds. Don't even worry about it. Okay. So are you, do you got me again? Yep. I hear you. Okay. So he basically said there's these eight uh, psychosocial developmental stages, right? So it's just a model that you can break into eight. So he's basically saying if you went from when you were born all the way to when you're uh, at the end of life and you kind of broke that into eight sections. So you like, I'll just read them like infant and then toddler, preschooler, school age, adolescent or teenager, a young adult, a middle age adult and an older adult. And what he's saying is you can kind of there's different psychological goals at those stages and your ability to kind of to successfully move through that stage is hugely important to your kind of overall development. So he for example, let's look at like a, as a teenager, you'd say like a key thing for the people in the teenage age and kind of from like the late teens, mid to late teens to the early twenties and even into the later twenties is like this idea of figuring out who you are in this world, who you're not, who you want to date, who you don't want to date, who you want to hang out with, who you don't want to hang out with, what you're gonna do with your life, what kind of behaviors you do. Do you do drugs or don't you? Do you are you religious or aren't you? This whole like who am I? And he said that like If it So when we're a teenager, we're like, we're this way when we're around our parents, and this way when we're at work, and this way when we're with our girlfriend or boyfriend, and this way when we're at church. And and if we don't have a kind of solid identity, it can lead to role confusion, right? The word on the bottom there. So you said that every one of these stages, it's like we're trying to establish identity. Role confusion. Yeah. So think what that means. It's like, imagine you are playing different roles in a movie and it's like, and now you're supposed to be the carpenter. And now you're the police officer and now you're the chef in this movie. And it's like, you're switching costumes every time. It's like, it's almost confusing how many roles you're playing. You're not just one consistent identity. Right. Right. So he said like at every stage. So like, let's use the very first one. He says for a baby one of the most important things is its ability to establish trust with the mother. Right. And that if it doesn't establish trust and, and what trust means at that stage, it's not like a baby could ever articulate it and say Dependency. it. Well, the responsiveness, right. And we'll, we can get into that later. Like what, what that actually is. But one of the things is that like the mom's responding in a way that makes sense based on what the baby needs, that there's what a certain amount want. of synchrony, and that of course there's all no one's perfect. But this idea that basically the baby mom is representing basically everybody. It's the first intimate relationship. It becomes yeah. a model of future relationships. The right. baby's basically using mom to learn, can I trust this world? Yeah, or should I be cynical? Should I have right. a basic mistrust of things? Right. So when you hear someone say like this guy I'm dating, he won't pop the question, like you may see this in the movie, he won't pop the question because he has trust issues and he doesn't want to commit. What they might not know they're saying
0: is Does that mean he might have like basic mistrust that stems from infancy? Yep. Yeah, that basic was a basically a, a repressed
1: emotional energy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Toddler.
1: So shame and doubt. Yeah, do you want to go through these one by one? Okay, so I'm just
0: thinking shame and doubt, toddler shitting themselves, getting tired. Well, of-
1: see now Erickson was a little bit less focused on something like toilet training. That's more of the realm of Freud, right? So Freud okay. was very focused and you've even heard the term like, Oh, that teacher's so anal. Well, that's actually like a Freudian term, right? So Freud had that idea of like people that had issues at the potty at the toilet training state. I call it potty training. Cause I got, I've been trying to, you know, it's a constant struggle with heavy, but anyways, yeah, this right. idea of like, um, people that get hangups around that, that that can actually affect behavior later in life. Mm-hmm. That's a Freudian idea, right? Right. So it's interesting how so much of that is in just common
0: speech. Right. Self-control and willpower.
1: Yeah. So uh, here, let's just skip this for a sec. Cause we could, or I don't know, do let me just do this last one. Okay. So one of the things is kind of interesting about psychoanalytic theory whether you're talking about Freud or Erickson is that it kind of, they were kind of the first on the scene. Right. And, and a lot of what comes later are people kind of responding to Freud responding to and ripping apart or like, you know, whether we're talking about BF Skinner or Maslow or Carl Jung or Victor Frankel or right. uh, Bender or a lot of these guys that are just the characters that are come, going to come later in this presentation in the next one we do. They're all either students of Freud or Or responding to to Freud. Yeah. It's like he was the, exactly.
0: He was the, uh, the basis of their will to succeed. They wanted to be better than him.
1: He was the Shakespeare, right? He was, yeah, he was, he was
0: the first and the most famous,
1: right? He was,
0: he was the basis on which people compared themselves to. Well, he,
1: he introduced the world to the unconscious. Okay. So, so here, I'm just going to put this up real quick. So five strengths of it, right? So five strengths of psychoanalytic approach, this idea of analyzing the psyche. Number one, really focus people on this idea of the importance of early childhood relationships, right? If these early experiences have an ability to have an energetic effect later, maybe we need to, you know, now remember a lot of this in Victorian Europe, being a child was terrible, this idea of public school is a relatively recent thing. A lot of children worked terrible conditions, terrible lungs. There, they, a devastating uh, video to watch. If anyone is interested is on YouTube called the The children that built Victorian London. And it's like so many of them were working in such dirty scenarios. They got so much of what we would now call, they call black lung. We'd now just call it right. lung cancer. Right. It's like this and the guy that we're going to talk about later, Piaget, was a huge, per- John Piaget was a huge person making this argument that kids aren't just small adults. They're psychologically different. They actually need to be developed. They need to right. basically go to school, right? Mm-hmm. So this, this kind of focus on the importance of, and, and, and also very specifically, like how important those early relationships are. Uh, they also That's where
0: sing- I'm at right now, man Trying to give my son the best relationships That he can have with us yep. Best of the best It's hard, man, it's a struggle
1: And I think Freud An interesting thing to keep in mind, though Freud said that the good mother fails And I think what he meant by yeah, that learning,
0: learning to cope with failure is important
1: a, Being a completely perfect parent
0: Probably witnessing, isn't even good for witnessing your Witnessing failure is important for your life
1: well being authentic and yeah, yeah. being the best you can is like the most important thing i think and just what your kid needs is love and attention and and you yeah your presence right your presence yeah uh okay so sorry number two the the psychoanalytic perspective suggests that a child's need change with age and the inter interaction patterns of a family is crucial in how personality develops right so it's like your son was born like a certain way but like how that then interacts with the culture of your home sort of is a huge thing on the development of his personality. Mm-hmm. The psychoanalytic theorists gave us, gave us new concepts, ideas like the unconscious ego identity that are part of everyday language nowadays, right? They literally invented psychotherapy, this idea of like therapeutic um, what you would think of, of going to a psychologist. They emphasize this idea of continual development through the lifespan. Now, the critique so what of is it, the,
0: Okay, what is the most articulate difference between a psychotherapist and a psychiatrist?
1: Uh, a psychiatrist is also a psychotherapist plus oh. they're a doctor. Right, oh. so a, a, a psychiatrist has their full certificate as both a psychologist and a doctor.
0: Oh, I did not know that. Yeah.
1: Whereas a, whereas a, well, it's kind of it, psychotherapist is a weird word in Canada because some social workers I think are considered psychotherapists. And I think it's like a technical word. But if you're talking about a psychologist is someone that has like a PhD in psychology. Right. A psychiatrist is someone that has that same PhD in psychology, but
0: is also a medical doctor. So a PhD and then that so That's school. why it's more rare to be a psychiatrist. Right. That's right. So you're a psychologist. No. No, I'm not. A psychologist. What's your what's your PhD in exactly?
1: Uh, health science. But
0: health science.
1: But I teach a psych, I teach psychology courses. It's kind of an interesting story we could talk about that somehow. I've been teaching sometime if you want. Uh, I've been teaching this specific psychology class for over a decade now.
0: Mhm. Yeah. What's the what's the course called?
1: Uh, developmental psychology
0: so developmental psychology.
1: yeah so psychology over the lifespan right so how a lot of these things change as as people get older
0: right okay and that's yeah, exactly i did what my undergrad
1: i did my undergrad in in psych and and social work and then a thing called social development studies and then i worked as a social worker for a few years and then i i i went back to school and did uh applied health studies at waterloo
0: for my master's and phd master's and phd so you did that for five yeah years. man
1: no i was at waterloo forever because i taught i was teaching at the same time right i think i actually paid tuition to waterloo like 13 years
0: wow yeah
1: man from like 2000 right. to 2013
0: same school the entire time eh yep so you always got accepted for your postgraduate studies too and that's big because they don't always accept you like look at divorced Right, Vorsch didn't. Vorsch had Vorsch did all of his PhD and his master's and everything at McGill, but he couldn't get in and out of schools. For some reason, he couldn't get in. Now he's a fucking plastic surgeon. So obviously, he did what he had to do. But that's a PhD MD. And so you're saying that psychiatrists, and this is the correlation I'm making, are also PhD MDs. Uh, psychiatrist. So same, yeah. So the same amount of school is Yeah,
1: I don't know the specifics of divorce
0: situation, but
1: but yeah, Bachelor's, I think
0: masters, I, PhD, med school, surgeon, residency.
1: Yeah, and that's probably why people are. Like that's why psychiatrists are are not nearly as common as psychologists, right?
0: Exactly. And that, that So a yeah. psychiat-
1: from a functional perspective, one of the big differences is the ability to prescribe medication, right? right. So a psychiatrist can prescribe psychiatric
0: medication because a they're not Right. So okay. All right. I don't
1: know though we could probably have someone like my brother or divorced on to
0: Is your brother a psychologist?
1: Yeah. So yeah, he's like an get- actual psychologist. Like he's like a PhD in psychology, like psych- clinical psychology. We should PhDs
0: definitely in- get him on on the show. Yeah. Can we do that? It's today? interesting because he-
1: my mom's a psychologist too. It's like I and, and it's like I have a family of psychologists, but I teach a psychology class, and it's kind of been an interesting story because I started teaching this as like a side thing, right? Like when I was doing my, P, my PhD, actually I think I was still in my master's, I started teaching at Conestoga, at the college, like as a side thing, right? And then over time I just really liked it. And then eventually an opportunity came there. And now I've just kind of been teaching this class for a long time, but I teach other classes too. But
0: so is this your oldest class that you teach? The longest longest running class? Yeah, I basically teach this every fall and winter. So how old is this presentation?
1: Well, it's it's only some really elements of it are the bones of it are What's the
0: oldest section? The oldest section. Maybe like
1: 2000, uh,
0: 2009, maybe. Wow. Yeah. That's
1: cool. But I I updated a lot. Right. And stuff. So, right. Right. so I, I would have changed it and made small little tweaks and stuff as recent as like last winter, like right. this okay. past winter, I thought this course and like I just ended a section in
0: April or whatever. And as you develop, you add to it. That's cool. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: This course yeah. is probably quite different than it was 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, like, like yeah. for example, I talk, and this is another reason I'm sharing some of this too, is because I'm, I'm adding a lot to it. Like I'm adding a way bigger biological and evolutionary component to the update I'm doing right now for the fall. Right. So yeah, man. So it's interesting. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, an, it's the funnest course to teach, man. It's my favorite What's going to happen?
0: What's going to happen with school in fall? Do you think you're going back to normal? Is that what's going on? You're not going to be back to normal. What are you going to do, Zoom classes? I
1: don't know. It's going to maybe, but they're, they're going to give some guidance in like mid-August.
0: Mid, mid, mid wow, they're not giving you a lot of time to prepare, eh?
1: Well, I'm kind of already preparing for the possibility. that You're prepared formal, for a for curriculum.
0: Sure. You just don't know how it's going to be delivered.
1: Yeah. One of the reasons I like doing like these podcasts with you and stuff is part of it is like getting some of the technology ready for when I start having to do um, yeah. more exclusive content for like the specific students, right? Like I'm going to, we have at the, yeah. at the college, like our own like website and stuff, right? So I'll be making videos probably on zoom and stuff. And then just instead of putting them on YouTube, uh, putting them straight, like onto this site right right so it's kind of cool to learn how to do all this technology because if you wouldn't if you just rewind to like christmas like it's like i never had a youtube channel i didn't have a podcast i didn't know how to do recorded zooms or have right Even have a microphone yeah
0: we've really picked away at the at the art form haven't we over the years
1: yeah like you've been more involved in in the content creation
0: aspect for a lot more more so the audio content yeah But I almost got a thousand subscribers. So subscribe, hit that notification bell. My name is Conscience. (laughs) This is Digital Academy, Professor Mike.
1: It will push us through your channel, man. So just do your little thing, man. I think uh, we should wrap up now. This is a nice break. So now we're done the psychoanalytics. Next, we're going to get to these people that, that then come next and are like, well, you know, maybe Freud was onto something. Maybe he wasn't there's a note of criticalness in this. And they're basically saying like, maybe let's care a little bit, a little bit less about what happened when you're a kid. It's like, if I want to understand you, I need to observe your behavior. I need to put you in situations and see how you respond. Yeah. You know, it's like the classic saying of John Watson, a behavioralist is like, give me any kid. I'll make him a plumber or a soldier or a doctor. It's all about like constructing a learning environment and a set of behavioral learning um, a schedule of learning To basically they're Making a hard point on the kind of nature Nurture on the nurture side of it
0: Nurture side of it yeah
1: Right. So these are the, a group of people that we would call Behavioralists so you've heard Of some of these you've heard of Pavlov um, and his I've never heard of
0: Pavlov Until you said Pavlov's dog earlier You've never heard of Pavlov's dog
1: I feel like you might have once oh, we get into Maybe the, Yeah you might have heard of the experiment maybe. but.
0: Where yeah, he trains a uh,
1: dog to salivate when it hears a bell.
0: Oh, no, I never Okay, well, that. we'll
1: start the next one with that, and we'll talk about okay. B.F. Skinner and okay. his experiments with pigeons. We're going to get into some kind of the – a lot of the next section is experimentation with animals um, because cool. they're starting to try to understand how behavior works, right? And one of the reasons why a lot of experimentation is on mice is mice have this, like, interesting – There's they have a lot of interesting similarities with humans. Um, but at the same time, well, like in, yeah, some of its brain function and some of it's like, uh, how stress affects them and stuff, but it's like, one of the interesting things about them is that plus the fact that they're a much simpler organism. Right. So it's like, that's one of the reasons why you can see changes in their behavior much more dramatically.
0: Right. There's less yeah buddy muddying the waters less yeah like so if you're
1: like trying that. to explain if you're trying to like...
0: easier easier to observe instinctual behavior yeah because there's a lot less of the superego going on well think if you're trying to like
1: understand the social dynamics of like a school uh, like a a group a pod or whatever of dolphins it's like that's so advanced it's so interconnected and dynamic it's like That's why, like a lot of, like, um, yeah. Anyways, it's just like why simpler organisms, you can see the effects more. Yes. Yeah, man. That's that's why, like
0: I said, there's less things muddying the waters.
1: Yeah, and so to end, there's less going on.
0: There's there's less conscious behavior. It's all it's all subconscious. Well, the behavioralists
1: don't even overly care about that part of the conversation right like at now i'm not saying i don't you but what i'm saying is like they're kind of at this point of prove it right it's right. like right. the response right. that's coming next is the behavioralists and they're they're basically going to start saying you know focus on how experiences in our environment are shaping the individual not just these emotional situations so this is like a hard nurture side if, if freud was pushing nature And that, like, you know what I mean by nature-nurture? Yeah. Yeah. So Freud's heavy on kind of the nature side of this idea that, like, you're way more instinctual than you think. You're way more animalistic than you think. You're way more aggression and sexuality-focused than you think. Nurture
0: thinks that we're much more conditioned.
1: Yeah. Yeah, learning and condition. I think I actually have that on, like, one of these next slides. Conditioned and learned means the same thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, there we go. That's the next slide. Yeah, yeah. That happens a lot, eh? Or yeah. you explain things so well that I don't say much in these podcasts. I just kind of listen. But when you, it happens a lot that you explain things so well that I think of a word that associates the next slide. That's yeah, and it's
1: good. cool. And I love when, when, when you are like, I have that happen with students sometimes too. And it's like what it shows me is that you're on the same page and you're, you're having intelligent thoughts on the same topic, right? If right. you're basically seeing where I'm going right um and so so what he was basically saying is and we'll get we'll start this next week i'll just finish this point is that like there's these different types of conditioning so remember conditioning just means learning that as we go through life some things we learn by associating it and some things we learn because we're punished and we're rewarded for different things and so the terms for those are classical conditioning and operate conditioning and that's the classical conditioning is pavlov Operate conditioning is the work of BF Skinner. You don't have to worry about that now because we'll, we'll jump into that next week okay. basic, or next time. We're basically going to get into this idea of how to understand you. I need to understand your behavior. I need to put you in situations and see if I can manipulate the situation and change how you behave. It's like, right. I don't want to ask you what you think. I want to put you in a situation and, and record. And see your how you think. Yeah. Yeah. I want to yeah. see your behavior. All right, buddy. Do you want so to... that was
0: like, uh, what's that movie with Jack Nicholson again and Adam Sandler, Anger Management? Yep. Do you think that these behavior kind of like Jack Nicholson's character in Anger Management, trying to kind of mess with people, put them in situations beyond their control? Or do you think that the yeah. person knew that it was going to be a controlled experience before they experienced it?
1: Uh, I think you could make an argument that Anger Management therapy – uh, at least aspects of it, are a type of behavioral intervention.
0: Manipulation.
1: Right? Uh Yeah. Like, you could call it manipulation, but in a positive way, right? Like, it's like,
0: yeah.
1: or the attempt is to do it in a positive way, right? Like, so if you're angry... It's like at a certain point, it's like we can talk about philosophy of why people get emotions or something. But at a certain point, it's like you have to actually learn how to stop yourself from talking. You have to actually learn how to remove yourself from the situation. There's a behavioral I'm just, component I'm just to it.
0: From the, from the pain. All right. We'll just how cut do out you think these lessons back. in behavior manipulation or orchestration?
1: Did you hear what I said? How, no, I just heard how were the lessons orchestrated, but what did you mean?:
0: Yeah, yeah, like how, how were the okay, you're saying that they as a as a behavioralist, you want to see how people react to certain situations. How do you think these situations were orchestrated? Do you think it was blind to the patient, or do you think that they knew that they were going to be facing something that may be frustrating in advance? Or do you think that it was just like basic observing, like, like stalking, following around somebody and watching what they do and how they act? I'm just curious as to how a behavioralist engages in their treatment.
1: Well, behavioralist, okay, so remember if you, uh, that's an interesting question, but like think about, remember we did that one on learned helplessness and I talked about the experiment of the dogs and how like when you shock the dogs, and right. they were in a helpless situation. It changed their behavior. It's like that's a very behavioralism experiment. It's like it's not a theoretical idea. They actually did it. And they actually showed that like if you shock them more, you can actually predict a changed behavior later. And that right. it's actually the behavior, right? So and other examples of it would be um, well, we're gonna look at Pavlov's dog. Like, can you train Dogs to do certain things. Can you chain pigeons to do certain things? Can you actually chain pigeons to aim missiles? Which we'll talk about a, a, a military. Crazy. Yeah, it's called Project Oricon. Check out Digital Academy. I did a whole video on it. But yeah, man, oh, uh, yeah. but I'll talk about it. Organic control. orcon means like organic, like animal controlled Oricon.
0: Okay. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah. Remember, this is pre GPS. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that if you want when we get to it. Cause that's cool, an interesting man. story because a lot of these psychologists also have kind of like clandestine careers working also with military. Right. So because a lot of the development of psychology in the cold war kind of went at the same time. Right. So there's a lot of kind of America versus us. I mean, America versus USSR, Russia, like undertone to a lot of the development of psychology.
0: Right. right. Isn't that something so malicious. So malicious. Learning thine enemy.
1: Well, it yeah, man, it's it's uh
0: do you like how I threw in thine? Is that what you were laughing I at? don't know,
1: man. Yeah, it's like what <laughs> it, have you been drinking heavily? Okay,
0: fine. Yeah, yeah no. fine. anyways, man.
1: All right, do I you want to just used
0: thine? All
1: right, you're getting choppy, man. I'm gonna cut you off. Or can okay, cheers, buddy.
0: Have a good all night. Right, can brother. You hear me now?
1: Uh, not very well okay guys uh that's wilkie i think his audio is going a bit next week we're, or next time we'll get into the behavioralism we'll talk about learning theory we'll talk about pavlov um bf skinner i'll we'll talk about Piaget, maslow carl rogers victor frankel Bandura. you know the the kind of the giants of psychology i'm kind of trying to i hope i hope that you find this a bit useful i'm kind of trying to give um an overview of how to make sense of some of the roots of psychology and then kind of modern branches will hopefully make more sense in relation to the history. Okay. Anyways, that's a little bit rambly. I love you guys. Thanks for checking this out and, uh, yeah, stay cool. Keep your stick on the ice and, uh,